0: You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through a series called The Power of Prayer. Uh, Man, welcome. If you're watching the video online, my name is Pastor Daniel Williams. Or if I haven't met you in the room, uh, it's so exciting to be able to be back as there's been holidays and those type of things and travel and illness and all this different stuff. There's ebb and flows and ups and downs, but we're here, we're worshiping Jesus and excited to be with you. If you have a Bible, uh, turn to Nehemiah chapter one. Uh, It's an Old Testament book of the Bible. We have Bibles available in the back on the smartphone. If you're looking, it's right after Kings or Chronicles. If you hit the Psalms, that's a big book of the Bible. Go a little bit to the left, a little bit before Job. Right there is Nehemiah chapter one, one is where we're gonna find ourselves tonight. In the series we're calling The Power of Prayer. Uh, We're in this season of fasting and praying together, and I really hope that you're engaging in this fast with us. Fasting, it serves many purposes, and one of which that it reminds our minds, our spirits, and bodies who and what we worship. We don't worship our desires or our feelings or uh, even are controlled by our body, but we worship God himself, and so we set aside even food to say we're going to seek God and know him, and my prayer for you is that as you do that, you'll actually experience God in a real way. It's an amazing thing to be able to fast, to seek God. And I love that we get to do this together, right? Like, what are you fasting? What are you doing? And what's your strategy? And how's God speaking to you? And we get to do this in community. And uh, it really makes a difference walking in community. Pastor Robin did a great job of uh, teaching us the power of prayer in a message called the victory of prayer. When you typically think about the power of prayer and the victory of prayer, you're thinking about asking or making a petition, asking God to do something, and he does it. Have you ever found that to be true? You actually talk to God and he answers your prayer. It's amazing. And sometimes he answers your your prayer with a delay or not right now and there's timing and there's frustration in that. And and sometimes he just tells us straight up no and rebukes us. Like he's God and he's able to do it, but there's confidence we have that he listens and we actually find victory, our strength, uh, moving forward in our faith as we go to God in prayer. And so there's great power in that. Many of you guys should know the power of prayer because if you're a believer, you are a miracle. You called upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says anyone calls upon the name of Jesus, you will be saved, and that is an act of miracle in the answered prayer that you would have a right relationship with God and know his grace. In Ephesians chapter three, the Bible says, now to him who is able to do far more immeasurably than you can ask or even imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's a powerful thing to know that God could answer your prayer because the fact that you're even praying is an answer to a prayer. Just like how we just prayed for our family and friends. People have been praying for us and we're responding to God's love and His Spirit moving. And I love how Robin shared a whole bunch of stories how, man, he thought this thing and then God answered a prayer in this way and it worked out that way and it was just. He's that good, he can actually know what we need and how to answer prayer. And tonight, what I want to do is I want to look at another powerful aspect with this lens of the power of prayer through a story and a person in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, and through his story and witness. And so let's read Nehemiah, the whole chapter, chapter 1, and then we're going to study it together. Sound good? Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 and the words say the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaliah. Now it happened in the month of Cheslev in the twentieth year as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. so Nehemiah has a conversation with this one of his brothers, Hananiah, these Jews that would be in Susa, not in Jerusalem, and he would ask about this exile, this group that went back to Jerusalem. Hey, how how are my other brothers and sisters doing? How's the nation going? What's all happening? And then they respond in verse three, they say to me, the remnant there in the providence who had survived the exile is in great trouble and great shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now, Nehemiah, he's writing these words, and in verse four, he says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down, I wept, and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And this is his prayer, verses five through 11. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your hearts open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and the statutes and the rules that you command your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, "If we are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples." But But if you return to me and keep my commandments, do them, though your outcasts are in the utmost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them in the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants, to delight, to fear in your name, and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. We've prayed a lot, but let's just sit here for 20 seconds in God's presence and allow him to prepare our hearts. And Lord, we recognize you're here and thank you for your presence. Speak, God. Amen. Well, recently... I was on social media. I know, it's crazy. Guys, many of you guys know since uh, the sabbatical this summer, I haven't been on social media, been off the grid, more to learn about being present with others, especially my family, and not be on my phone so much. Uh, But you know, my family has been sick, we've been quarantined, it seems like forever, with one family getting it, and then being healed, and then oh, now another family member, and oh, now another family member. So you know, even us, we haven't been on a Sunday service for two weeks, it's been awful. I like you guys. I want to be with you. And a lot of people have struggled with that. And so you find yourself having a lot more time being lonely, not to mention the fact that we started this fast. And my role as the pastor in this fast and this team is to work the back end of the United 21 Day Fast. So building the website, getting the prayer texts, the videos, uh, the social media posts, even the prayers, all online are something that I have to do and I'm responsible for in this communication of pastors. And so all that to say, I find myself checking social media a lot more because I'm making sure, is this post correct? Did that post, does this church get this done? And responding and all that different stuff. And don't worry, it was like riding a back bike. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, all of a sudden, it was like, social media, what's my login to? I just scrolled for 15 minutes. What did I do with my life? Where am I? Okay. And so I'm here on social media. And one thing I noticed when I got back into it, as far as just this season, is I was observing a lot. I was observing rather than investing in people. My natural inclination is a text or call or speak or be with, and I found myself a lot looking rather than engaging and actually connecting with people. I didn't have true intimacy or relationship with. I I, I felt like I, I saw some things even about you guys that was going on, but I didn't talk to you about it. It was this weird feeling, especially because I realized this when a pastor out of the blue called me. He's like, hey, I just thought about you. I just wanted to give you a call. I'm driving on my way somewhere. I got a few minutes. I just want to see how you're doing. What's going on? And it was amazing. It was encouraging. We just had this a connection, this interaction real quick, five, 10 minutes, done. And it was like, I haven't told her, man, that was so amazing and special that he would just call me and, and do that. The next day, another pastor, remember he used to come to our church, is very wise, old, gentle pastor man. He lives in our communities and he's like, I just want to take you out my tree. Where do you want to go? Let's connect. And I was like, well, he knows how to, he knows how to woo me. Free food. Let's go, you know? So, you know, it's okay. We'll, we'll go and we'll connect. And then the very next day, another pastor, Sunday, texted me. Hey, Dan, I'm just praying for redemption, praying for you guys in your space on Sunday morning. And he's a pastor up in Gulf Breeze. And just, just a simple text. And we text back and forth almost every Sunday. He's, he's the early riser. So even though I have Sunday night church, he's still texting me like it's six in the morning. Yo, what's up, bro? And I'm like, dude, come on. But it's all good. It's okay. We text back and forth. There's this connection. And I thought to myself in this experience, in this season of prayer and fasting even, that relationships and community, they're so important not just to have, but to engage with, to interact with. Or you may say to invest in one another. You see, many people on social media are observing, but really, they really want engagement. They want intimacy. They want community. And there's a Proverbs, as I'm reading Proverbs to start the year, that sort of highlights this fact. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born in adversity. I think as human beings, as people, we want friends. We want people to express love and intimacy and investment And connection. And as human beings, we're built for relationship. When we have a loving community around us, we actually thrive. We're encouraged and we experience love in a real way. I mean, have you ever been in a big room, a full room, but yet you're lonely? I think that we all have. I think we've all experienced being around people or having even good friends but there's a discouragement of no interaction, no engagement, or true intimacy and connection. And oftentimes, the Bible says the reality is those type of friends come through adversity, trials, pressure points, or you may even say shared experiences. You know, oftentimes, God uses an, a trial or adversity in our lives to form forge friendships and form them together, a shared experience. Some of my closest friends are other pastor friends. And it's just because we're pastoring together. You may have the same experience in in your work. The people that you actually spend the most time with, you engage with, right? You clock in, you clock out, you're, you're interacting with, are the people that you find community in, you find love and you have friendship. And you would want that community to actually grow into being friends and actually experience love. And so it's a natural thing to seek friendship, to seek camaraderie and to find love, but God says it comes sometimes through a different experience, a different way. Yes, even out of our struggles, our pains, things like a job where we don't even experience and like it at times. We could even find friendship and complaining together with other people. And the need of friendship is great especially when we go through hard times, because that love is something that allows us to go through hard time. And what we see in this passage today that we read is how God actually used struggle or a hard time, a situation, and a trial to actually draw Nehemiah to respond in prayer. And as Nehemiah did, he was blessed with friendship and with strength. Now, let me set up the situation, the context, because usually we go through books of the Bible, you get the context, you know, but the time frame says right there in verse 1 it's the month of Cheslev, in the 20th year, I was in Susa, the citadel. This is the 20th year, and that meant the 20th year of the king, King Artaxerxes. The year was 444 BC, so that's 400 years before Jesus comes in history. This city, Susa, was the citadel or the capital of this empire, Persia, which at the time would be world leaders. They just took over the Babylonian kingdom and the Babylonian kingdom conquered the nation of Israel and Jews and they brought them to their land. So Persia comes, they beat Babylon and now some of those people that were exiled or slaves, they go back to the city, but not all of them because there's another Jew that's writing this, a cupbearer, Nehemiah. And although he's a slave, he has a lot of character because the person you trust with with your life as a king is your cupbearer. He drinks your wine, your food. If he dies, you don't drink it. If he's good, you're good. So you had to trust him. He would be a confidant to the king, he would be an exile, he would be, even in this weird position, an elevated service. He was living his life, you can say. It was normal. And the book of Nehemiah, it starts as an autobiography. Nehemiah just says, I'm writing this. This is what happened to me. Here's my experience. He's testifying and giving you a firsthand experience of the great work that he would do in this book of building a wall in Jerusalem. Now, I know that doesn't sound very great, building a wall. Okay, what does that mean? Well, the wall represented restoration for God's people because the people in the city weren't in good shape. They had a lot of enemies or no defense. So they had gone back to the city. They were actually even built the temple up. Ezra records that, but now they're occupying the city, but there's no defense. The walls are all destroyed because of fire and their shame. So the enemy could just, boom, come in at any time and attack. It's a very stressful thing. It's very hard. And the result And why this was taking place, because their own foolishness, their own sin, they disobeyed, but God loved them and wanted to restore his people. And every time his people repented and turned to him, he would call and give mercy and grace. Just how every time, man, no matter what's going on in your life and how many walls you feel are broken in your life, if you repent and turn to God, he will come and restore you and love you and you will find mercy and forgiveness in him. And so we see that these exiles come back to Jerusalem, the city is restored, but the walls weren't, and the enemy was able to wreak havoc. in their time of need. They were God's people, but they were still living in broken situations, hard times. They needed comfort and restoration. Isn't that like you and I? We can be God's people. We can know God and love Jesus, and yet, don't we still have some hard times? Don't we need comfort? And this is a great leadership book that I've studied many times and Use it, but the interesting thing about this book is Nehemiah's name means comfort. Many times we need to pay attention to these little details because this book is so much more than just a building of a wall or leadership principles, but it's a great picture in how God brings comfort to his people. Nehemiah was called by God to build a wall to restore his people, but God God sent him and called him, and this is the chapter where he gets the calling, the burden, the passion to even see the problem and start trying to help in the process. And you know what? God has also sent the person of the Holy Spirit, who's known as the great comforter, to minister to his people, to restore our lives, to build us up, to cause us to stand firm in Christ and to actually uh, be restored from the brokenness and sin and the pain and the havoc that the enemy wants to do in our lives. The Spirit of God gives us truth so we can know truth and not, be tossed to and fro, but know who God is and what way to go and have the strength to walk into it. And just as God would see in Nehemiah, he gives us as believers the Holy Spirit to walk in, to know. And so the book reminds us not just of this great leader, Nehemiah, but Jesus. Because it was Jesus who was sent by the Father to come down to humanity and live a perfect life that you and I couldn't live and give us hope and redemption and comfort and relationship or you may say shalom or peace with God and now we can have peace in relationship with others. And so in verse two and three, Nehemiah finds out this great problem about God's people. He speaks to his brother, Hananiah. It says in verse two, one of the brothers came with certain men from Judah. So they, they came and they traveled. It was unsecure. It was this time of turmoil. And they asked concerning the Jews who escaped and who had survived the exiles concerning Jerusalem. And this is what Hananiah uh, said to to Nehemiah in verse three, the remnant there, these Jewish people, and the providence who survived the exile is in great trouble and great shame. Trouble and shame. Why? Because the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates are destroyed by fire. And verse four tells us it wrecks him. It's devastating. As soon as I heard the words, Nehemiah says, as soon as I heard him. I sat down, I wept, and I mourned for days. Have you ever had those days, those moments? You're minding your own business. Things are actually okay. Maybe they're not the greatest, but you're okay where we're at in life. Things weren't the greatest for Nehemiah. He still could have gotten poison and cut but things were good for him. He had influence, there was comfort and security, and he has one conversation, and in one moment, it's like he hits the wall. It says he had to sit down. He wept, he mourned, he wailed. A simple conversation just wrecks you. Where you feel so discouraged, so down, so disappointed, you just wanna weep and cry. These are the moments I think we say, not if, but when. We've all experienced them and we've all experienced them because we live in a broken world. But the interesting thing is, is how we cope with them. What do we do when life, gives us a curveball, disappointment. Because the Bible says that we can cope with these situations in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. And there's many examples of an unhealthy way. Just simply ignoring them. You have those people, you see a problem, you just run away and you just ignore them. Or you just avoid them. So instead of facing a problem, you just binge on Netflix or go to social media or YouTube or, or you numb the pain. Even with like good things like relationship or sexual desire or drinking drugs, like you just don't wanna think about it or talk about it. Or you know what some people, how they deal with these stressful situations, they just stuff it inside. Because how, how do you deal with this? Because life is full of this. And it could be so much and so impatient. You just need to sit down, you need to stop. You can't think, you can't do anything. And it's just unhealthy. We don't know how to move forward. There are moments in our lives where we get overwhelmed we have problems, and you just don't know what to do. And in these moments, we need relationship. We need love and support. We need encouragement, someone to comfort us as friends, because friends bring love, and we need something powerful and more than just a situation, but something that rises above. The Bible says in Proverbs that love covers a multitude of sin. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 11, It says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow because he's not alone. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. But again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, Two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The Bible clearly teaches that we need community, especially in times of trouble and of crisis, because we need this aspect of intimacy and love internally to get us through, to move forward and live this life. Someone that could listen to us, have our back, talk to, be with, and go through times is so important, and so helpful. And what we see is Nehemiah, went to his closest relationship in this moment, his greatest friend. He went to God, and he went to God in prayer for strength. Now, verse four says, for some days, this was a season. It wasn't just a moment. The moment happened, but you guys know, you have those moments that are redefining moments, for the good or bad. A wedding, a a baby, a Man, a great relationship, a raise, a job, a move. But a death, a sin, a trespass, a betrayal, brokenness. And he says, for days I mourned, fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. And verse five through 11, we actually hear his heart. We hear him speak to God as he brings his pain and his trial to the Lord. You see, Nehemiah took his real pain, his real life situation, as the Bible teaches us to do, to God, to try to cope in a healthy way, to try to deal with something and not ignore it, but to have God, who is greater than something that is so big in our eyes, to look to him. Chuck Swindoll, in his book on Nehemiah, The Hand Me Another Brick, says, Nehemiah was quick to call for help. His favorite position was, when faced with problems, was the kneeling position. And you see this throughout the book of Nehemiah. He's continually praying to God. He's a man of prayer, continually going to God in prayer and going in these moments of suffering and trial. Now, I would define prayer as this, simply talking and listening to God. Simply talking and listening to God. And the Bible tells us that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are in right relationship to simply talk and listen to God. You see, this is the good news of Jesus, that that he came to save us from our sin. Sin separated us. We were going down a path that caused us to disobey and rebel against God, and the wrath of God was upon us. But Jesus on the cross took our sin, our debt, and what separated us was brought back in wholeness, because the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That when we become right with God and enter into a good relationship, because sin broke that relationship and the enemy thought he had won, but the Lord had the victory. And on the cross, he defeated sin, death, and Satan. And not only do we have God's righteousness, but then he sent his spirit so we have a right relationship and intimacy and communion with God himself. Because Jesus not only died, he rose again, so he gives eternal life. Three days later, he shall rise, and he said, if you know me, you have eternal life, not only for right now on this earth and all this pain and suffering, but then there will be a day where there will be no more pain and no more suffering. You will see me face to face, and I will get you through this, and you will know this, and you've been adopted into my family. I wanna give you and seal you with my spirit, and this is something amazing we should never take for granted. And this is what the Bible tells us that's why we should be a people of thanks. Like Psalm 30 verse four says, sing praises to the Lord, O you saints, and give thanks to his holy name. One of the privileges that we have as a child of God, the benefits and rewards, is a relationship with God through prayer, talking and listening to God. Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us, the people of God, with confidence draw near to God to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. We can have confidence when we speak that God listens and all of heaven moves. And you see it in scripture and you're gonna see it in Nehemiah's life over and over and over again. And, and you know, one of those favorite verses for me when it comes to prayer is 1 John five fourteen. It says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's just so comforting to have someone hear your life, to know you, even if your life isn't all that spectacular. I mean, we're not all famous here. Many people don't even know our name, but there is someone who cares. He cares for us, he's closer than a brother, the Bible says. God is there for us in our weakness, in our frailty, in our humanity, and wants us to take our burdens to him in everything. And this is why, when the Bible talks about this speaking and listening to God in prayer, that we can do it all the time. Even when we have lows or when we have highs. 1 Thessalonians 5 17 and 18 says, Pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, that we can. Pray in every circumstance because God is with us. Like David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because God is with me. In the high and the low, man, this guy is with me. And so God actually wants to be there for us as a great comforter. And prayer allows us to go to God through relationship and find a source of strength in relationship. Here's my thesis, my point of this message. Prayer allows you to go to God through your real life in this relationship with him. This is how prayer is powerful. This is how, when we talk about the power of prayer, you see this great benefit of prayer that we can talk and listen to God even when he doesn't answer everything that we want him to answer and have our go our way because in the midst of our real life, not our fairy tale life and our, even our hopes and expectations as a Christian, but in our real life, he's gonna be with us and give us love. He's gonna give us intimacy and relationship. But it's going to take humility on our part. It takes humility on our part to engage by faith and talk to God. As Peter said in Peter 5, 16 and 17, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties, or other translations say your cares and burdens on him because he cares for you. It is no bother for you to go to God, but your flesh will fight against it. God wants to be there for you in a trial and suffering and in moments like we're reading about in Nehemiah where he's just minding his own business and then life is life. He wants us in relationships so much that he even allows us to go through suffering and trials. Let me say that again, God wants us so much that he actually goes through suffering and trials. Remember, Jesus went through the cross to have a relationship with you. And he tells us that we're gonna have to go through our cross, pick it up. And in this life, as we suffer, he actually uses that suffering for our good to build our faith and, I mean, you guys know this. When everything's going great, you're good. But sometimes when you lose your job or when you have a moment like this and you have no idea what to do, you're, you're humbled. And so it forces you to go to God immediately. Maybe this is why in James chapter 1, James says, Count it all my, with joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. When you suffer and you realize you are not God and you're going through pain and you can't control the situation and you have to sit down and you have to mourn and you have to just say, what do I do? Maybe we should count it as joy for knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And the steadfastness has its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing, that it would give you and point you to Jesus, maturing your faith. You see, oftentimes in our pride, we don't go to God for comfort, but rather we go to other things or other people. But it is a powerful and healthy thing to practice this discipline of prayer to find comfort and strength. Now, I found myself practicing this as we're in a time right now of prayer and fasting. And this has been a normal week, so I got some bad news, a couple of times actually. My dad actually was scheduled to travel here tonight and teach, but with the positivity rate and everything going on, we had to postpone that trip. There was a couple of other phone calls and just bummers. And I found myself venting to people rather than going to God. I don't know if you've ever done that before. You know, maybe you're perfect, whatever. Okay. But I'm not. And so I prayed, I went to people first rather than praying. And then, you know, you sleep on it, God's mercy is new every morning, you pray, you think about it and I, I started processing with God and I got humbled, I got rebuked, I, I got more clarity and I actually got peace on the situation. But I went to others for comfort in a situation in my life when only God can give me comfort because he was the only one that could change my heart. Oftentimes, even with good things and when we talk about relationship, community and love, it's not that those things are bad but what we see in Nehemiah is he went to God first, and then to other people. You know, I read this quote as well. Robert Murray McChain said about prayer. He says, I feel it is far better to begin with God, to see his face first, to get my soul near him before it is near another. You know, oftentimes when we go to God first, it affects our heart, and then out of our heart, our mouth speaks, and we have an effect on other people. That's why the first command is to love God first and then love people and if we idolize and put other people first and go after them or our job, or our status, there's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be, will, uh, be, um, will follow. Nehemiah did go to people for help. That's in chapter two. Chapter two, he asked people for help. But if you know anything about math, one comes before two, right? He first went to God and then went to people with the problem. You need both, and the Bible teaches you need both, but there is an order. There's an intimacy that you can have with God and talk to him and walk with things with him first that'll actually affect your relationship with others. Again, I was reminded of this as I was reading this story, and it actually brought up at the prayer night on Friday night when we gathered together is the story of Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10. And Martha was busy doing the work for Jesus, While Mary was busy being with Jesus and Jesus said the first and most important part of our relationship is being with him because out of that being with him flows the living water flows ministry. Simply connecting, engaging, having intimacy with Jesus, talking with him, being with him will affect your relationship with others. And the thing that stood out to me recently in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted with the wrong things. She had a problem, and in her pride, she was trying to fix it on her own. Think about this. The person that made everything in the universe was sitting in her living room and loved her. And rather than going to Jesus, she went to her own strength. And how oftentimes do we do that in our lives? The person that made the universe, the Bible says, is with you. And there's nothing wrong with getting friends and family involved, but are you neglecting probably the greatest savior and miracle maker in your life? Are you going to God first? Because God actually will send your friends and family to help you. And literally, Jesus was in the house and she was trying to fix the problems. And I find myself oftentimes like Martha, observing Jesus, but not engaging with him. Doing things, but not actually having intimacy. But the true relationship and what I long for is really love, and it takes effort on my part to talk, to engage, to go to him. You see, the Bible says that Jesus is closer than a brother, but oftentimes we don't engage with him as our friend, Rather, we just observe him as a far-off God or we practice religion. We don't often go to Jesus with our problems, but rather we try to solve our own problems with our own methods. But the Bible says we should go to him because he wants to help us. And one of the the things that the Bible teaches us is that we as believers, followers of Jesus, can do a practice, a discipline, a spiritual discipline to practice by faith, to find strength and comfort, And it's called prayer, talking and listening to God. This is where prayer is our first priority, our response to any situation can be powerful in your life. By you simply going to God. When you face a hard time, a situation, a trial, like Nehemiah does, you should talk to God about it. You should hear what God says about your situation. You know, Philippians chapter four tells us, do not be anxious about anything. Stress, be over anxious about it. But in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Are you letting God know about your situation and going to Him first? Making him preeminent or a priority as the Bible teaches. Because if you do, verse seven says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Praying allows our souls to be comforted by a good friend. Let me just say it again. You have a right relationship with God? You could be comforted by a good friend. One that will listen to all your problems and pain and one that won't just leave you there, but will walk with you. He's a good friend. The powerful thing about stress, discomfort, pain, is it actually can remind us that we are not God. And when we use this discipline of prayer, it allows us to enjoy intimacy with God and engage with Him in a supernatural way. Pastor Greg Grishel, a well-known pastor, says worry is the alarm to pray. When you find yourself stressful or, or, or there's worry or anxiety in your life, burdens, they should actually cause you to go to God. And we see Nehemiah do this in his distress and in this situation. He was a cupbearer of exile. He had a burden. He didn't know what to do. So he just simply prayed. He chose to go to God. And then he would see, we see him get directed to go to others. In verse 18 of chapter two, now I told the people of the, of the land of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. Over and over again, Nehemiah recognizes God did something special with this moment. And so he acknowledges God. The power of prayer is we get true intimacy and relationship in every aspect of our lives. And God not only wants us observing him, knowing about him, but engaging with him, connecting with him so we can experience love. But a good friend, oftentimes, Proverb says, is built in adversity. And that trial can cause us to go to God. Ian e. Bound said on prayer this, we are constantly straining to devise new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the gospel. The work that we wanna do, see people get saved, proclaim the good news, obey God. What the church needs today is not merely, not more machinery or better, Not new organizations or more novel methods, but men, humanity, men and women who the Holy Spirit can use. Men and women of prayer, mighty men in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans. He anoints men and women, people, men of prayer. And so the question is, how can you prioritize prayer in your life? What does it look like for you to pray or talk and listen to God? We're talking a lot about fasting and abstaining from food so we have more time because a lot of us are busy. How are you practicing that? What does that look like? Are you praying in community? What steps will you take? And you may say, well, I don't know exactly how to pray. I know it sounds easy for you, like talking and listening to God, but what does that look like? Well, we, that's a great question. Because you know, even Jesus' disciples who were with him for three years, they saw this pattern of Jesus fasting and praying over and over and over again. And they asked Jesus the same thing in Luke 11. And he teaches them to pray. And we have many passages of scripture that teach us how to pray. And in verse five through 11 Let's briefly look at it. Let's look at what Nehemiah did and the, what he focused on to get you jump-started as you think about prayer in this season. The first thing that we see in verse five is Nehemiah looked at the character of God. This is a good thing to do because he says, O oh Lord, God of heaven. He just recognized, God, you made everything. Ground I'm stepping on to the sky I see. The great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. When we remember who God is, it helps our prayer life. When we see how big God is, it gives us perspective. This is why Jesus said, hollow be thy name, to esteem God, to lift up his character, to go uh, and pray through his word as you're reading who God is and saying, thank you, God, you're a God of miracles, so I want you to do this miracle. You're a God that does this, And, and to bank on who God is. And before we rush into our request, just to ponder and think, who we're speaking to. You're talking and listening to someone. Who are you talking and listening to? Depending on who you're speaking to, it's gonna dictate how you say and what you do. In verse six and seven, we see that he starts confessing his sin. He says, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statues and the rulers that you have commanded your servant Moses. When Nehemiah recognized how big God was, It caused him to see how little he was. He wanted to change his mind or to repent and confess his sin. It was no longer just the Jews that rebelled, but he said, oh, snap, everyone's rebelled against God. But His glory is so good. He is so perfect and so much. I am not that I need God to you to forgive me. I need to be righteous in you. I need you to cover me. You know, most relationships, I can't truly be myself at least in the back of my mind, because if I'm truly myself, they'll see my flaws. And if they see my flaws, they may reject me and and not like me. This is why on Instagram, we don't show all of our fail videos. We show all of our highlights. We want people to like us. But God knows everything about us and he likes us. He cares for us. He loves us. And so he wants us to go to him and acknowledge that so we can find strength and weakness. So we can say, man, I, I just need you. Nehemiah sees how big and great and good God is, and he says, "Lord, I can't even, I can't, I can't hide before you. I just, I'm weak. I'm in need. I'm a sinner. You know, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us with all of His righteousness." You don't have to pretend with God. He already knows you. So you can go to God freely and confession is one that where we just acknowledge what's happening with God and do what he says and we change our mind and in humility we receive his grace. Andrew Murray said, if we feel that then this life is too high for us, beyond our reach, it must all the more urge us to seek him in this life. Don't feel downcast. Go to God. Put your hope in him. Next, you start seeing Nehemiah claiming the promises of God. Did you notice that long passage? He said, hey, he's quoting to God what he said. Moses, your servant, said this, and he says this long verse. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, it says in verse 8. Remember the word. He made his request according to God's word. When you pray, pray according to what God has spoken. And know God's word, because knowing God's word will give you confidence, because he will fulfill his word. And so when you pray according to his word, you can claim those things and believe in those things and know it will be done. As Jesus told us in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. David said, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, when you have those moments when life is just a mess and it's tough and you have no idea what's going to happen, it's not always as if we have a Bible in our hands. And this is why it's good to memorize scripture, to have the word of God richly dwell in us so when things come up, we can pray in confidence and claim those things. If you have a temptation or struggle, then learn some verses to attack that and cling your prayers to the faithfulness of God. And we see Nehemiah start to do this with his burden. He remembered scripture and he claimed it. Lastly, in verse 11, he said he committed to God he, he uses this interesting language. He says in verse 11, "O Lord, you, your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. Nehemiah called himself a servant, which implies that there is a master. So he wants to obey. He's willing to submit to God. In Jesus' name, according to your word and character, as Jesus said, Father, in my hands I commit to you, not my will, but your will be done. As you pray, you need to submit in Jesus' name, Be glorified in this. If you want a yes, then yes. If you want a no, then no. Your will be done, Lord. I want to bless you. I want to walk in you, walk in your ways, even if it's something I don't understand or can't answer. Like the word of God says, trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him and he'll make our path straight. And listen, this is just one of the ways the Bible gives us examples to pray. But there are many more characters, many more texts, because the Bible says, pray all kinds of prayers. And you can talk and listen to God in so many different ways. And we need to be praying in the Spirit, led by Him. Romans 8:26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Remember, Nehemiah didn't even have words, he just moaned. He just he didn't even know what to say to do. But he says, For we do not know. For when we do not even know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We have help from God even to talk to God and to listen to him through the power of the Spirit. It's not about necessarily the act and a religion of what you do, but it's your heart in giving him worth and value as he deserves going to him in relationship and engaging with him. And so as we engage in prayer with God, It is a source of strength for your life. You can find strength in prayer. You can find strength in God as you go to God in prayer and have this amazing relationship, even in times of trial, not just to observe God, but to connect with him and to have intimacy. I'll close with this quote, and we'll just respond the next two, three minutes to taking communion. David Guzik said this about prayer. We should use every kind of prayer we could think of. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer, just pray. Let's pray and let's thank God for the work that he's done. Usually we do a song It's just me tonight. We've had a lot of uh, extra little moments of silence and those type of things, but I do wanna take communion. God says when you gather together, you remember his grace, and I wanna have this attitude as we take communion to thank God, just to thank him. He actually died on the cross and shed his own blood for you, even for people that didn't even receive his mercy and grace, that are still enemies of him and hate him and think he's a joke. He still loves humanity and loves people. But we have, as people get to respond to grace and we get to remember that that's the type of love and relationship that we have. And normally I would do a song and we would sing, but I just feel like maybe we should just continue in the sort of in God's presence of sort of silence and um, man, have you guys stand, grab the elements and we'll just take communion together. And so let me pray and then uh, we'll take 30 seconds. You can grab the elements and we'll just thank God corporately together and end our service talking and listening to God. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. We wanna come to you and respond doing a physical thing by taking the elements of bread and juice and knowing they signify your body was beaten for us or your blood was shed for us. We can have forgiveness of our sins, a right relationship and talk and listen to you because of what you've done. So we're grateful for that, Lord. We rejoice in this gospel and we wanna take communion these elements to proclaim that, Lord, you not only died, but you rose again, and you are coming back, and you were on the throne, and we are coming to your throne for grace and for mercy once again to celebrate your good news, that you are king, that you are alive, that you are with us in the ups and downs. So we rejoice, we come to you. Help us, Lord, to be a people that practice this thing called prayer, that we would have ears to hear pure hearts to speak to you, Lord. We walk in your ways. Let us honor you, God, even now as we, by faith, grab the elements and take time just to thank you in our hearts. We love you, God. We thank you for being a close friend and call upon your name once again. And this, in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.